I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It has been a while since we've connected, but we are very excited to bring you the second half of season three of the Feeney podcast. And you know, with me, I've got Jacqueline. What is going on? Hi, Josh. Welcome back from our extended winter break. Yes, an extended winter break indeed. Lots going on. So apologies for not putting out any content since our last trivia episode, which came out in December. But we are very excited to bring you a nonstop run of the second half of the season. Yes, super psyched to be back in the saddle. I love that we ended on the trivia. I thought that was a nice little like wrap up to the first half of season three and uh we had a nice long break josh got married we had Mm -hmm. the holidays we ate lots of cookies we unfortunately said goodbye to some 80s and 90s tv icons over the break r.i.p betty white and bob saget but now we're ready to see what's going on with Corey and topanga back in 1996 yes 1996 back with the gang And we pick up right where we left off. I will be honest, I do not remember this episode at all. I remembered one very specific piece of this episode involving a French girl, Mm. but everything else around it, it was like it was the first time I was watching it. Yeah, that's the first time that's happened for me in a while, but... We're back in 1996, and uh, anything else we need to know before we head into The Grass is Always Greener? No, I think we can kick it off. The Grass is Always Greener, Season 3, Episode 12, debuted January 12th, 1996, directed by Jeff McCracken, a familiar Boy Meets World director. I know I get really hung up on these synopses because that is like my one task on this podcast, but... I read the Google synopsis, which was, Corey tells Topanga a white lie when he feels their relationship has become predictable. And I was like, well, that's like pretty accurate in capturing the spirit of the episode, but it's not really factually true because Corey does not actually tell Topanga a white lie. So then I was like, let me see what Disney Plus has in store for us. And Disney Plus just lays it all out. (laughs) Spoilers be damned. The synopsis is Corey and Topanga decide to break off their relationship. So major spoiler (laughs) we find out from Disney Plus. Can you imagine you're watching this for the first time and you see that synopsis and you're just like, what? Yeah, those are both terrible. Yes. Because, yeah, that that second one ignores literally the first 99% of the episode. Yes. And the first one, as you said, is factually inaccurate because actually Topanga is the one who comes up with the lie. Correct. So we can place blame a little bit later, but here's my synopsis. Corey feels stuck in a rut and is looking for some excitement. 
when Sean invites him to a party at another high school. Lovable dullard Eric tries to get his grades up, but instead plays poker with Feeney. This is a much, much better synopsis. Thank you. Thank you. I pride myself on both my accuracy and my brevity. Mm -hmm. Well, that was perfect and leads us into our two storyline episode here. I think we should maybe separate them because they really have nothing to do with each other at all. (laughs) Yes, that is correct. For our Eric fans out there, this episode has some really funny Eric moments. He gets his own side plot and it ties into all of the teachers at the school, which I think they all do a really good job. Like all the scenes with Eric and the teachers are really funny. They are pretty funny. It's a good side plot we've got with every teacher that we've met at John Adams High to this point, which includes Mr. Feeney, which obviously includes Mr. Turner and Eli. And even we get Dr. Sorrell, who was in an episode previously where Corey and Sean blow up the chemistry lab. He makes his reappearance as well. Yeah. So should we start with the Eric storyline? Yeah, let's do that one first. All right. Essentially, Eric is walking through the hallway at school, and he is simultaneously accosted by all of his teachers, all the teachers that Josh just named, all show up, and coincidentally, all the same as Corey's teachers, so that's a little bit weird that he has the same teachers as his brother who's in seventh grade, but whatever. Turner, Eli, Feeney, Dr. Sorrell, the chemistry professor, all harassing him about his overdue papers and his subpar work. And like I said, we get some really funny lines from the teachers in this scene. Yeah, this scene really reminded me of the Disney version of the Three Musketeers movie, where at the very beginning, D'Artagnan has run-ins with all of the three main musketeers kind of separately about different things, and then it all comes together, and he has to face them all at once. And that's kind of what happens here. He's got a beef with Turner and then with Eli and then Feeney. Everyone's got their own beef with Eric and then they all team up on him at the end. Yeah. Uh, Feeney says, you you know, your paper was terrible just because her name was Joan of Arc doesn't mean she was from Arkansas. Um, Dr. Sorrell says, hey, Eric, stop coming to chemistry class. How about you just blow something up at home and bring it in? And then Eli and Turner are giving Eric a hard time because he has overdue papers due in their classes. So uh, pretty funny scene. But I guess this all serves to really light a fire under Eric because he decides that he's going to buckle down and actually study when he gets home that evening. But unfortunately, he left all his books at school. So back to school he goes where he finds all of his teachers having a poker game in Turner's classroom. Yeah, he does. This reminded me of one time where Tommy and I decided that we were going to go maybe potentially pull a prank at the high school, and we decided to go scout it out first. And so it was late at night. It was past the time any students would be there at school. We're driving around, and they happened to have a police officer just kind of like camped out in the parking lot, and he pulled us over and asked us what we were doing in the school. And, uh, you know, we had prepared an excuse that I was there to get my soccer cleats, not really realizing that I was going to panic in the moment of questioning and reach back and grab my soccer cleats out of the back seat and say, they're right here. And then Tommy was like, no, 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 those are mine. Like yours are in your locker, right, Josh? Uh, So we got off just a warning, but I really panicked. What were you, why would you, first of all, why would you make the thing you were going to get an item that was already in your car? 
there are no there are no good answers to anything that you can ask me about this story. I'm just telling you that's how it went down. You really panicked. Did you really think you were going to be able to get into the locked school? Like I'm pretty sure they don't just leave it unlocked at night. No, we didn't even want to get into the school. We were thinking about pulling a prank on the football field and we just wanted to see if there was like a way to get into the football field like easily because it had those gates that were locked. But we were really scouting that out and the getting into the school thing was like a side excuse. Gotcha. But Eric very easily gets into the school in this scenario, which made me wonder how how he was able to do so. I was assuming that he got home from school and like immediately said he was going to start studying. And then it was only like 4 p.m. when he went back there, like a time when after school activities could feasibly still be happening and the doors would still be unlocked. Man, when I was in when I was a theater kid in high school, we would be at school until like 9 or 10 p.m. some nights. Yeah, that's pretty late. We were in there and it was always kind of creepy, but he's there. Nobody else is in the school and he's going into his locker to get his books. He left literally all his books at school, I guess. And as he's going into his locker right near that John Adams head in the hallway, he overhears some arguing from Turner's classroom and he pokes his head in and there is Feeney, Turner, Eli, and Dr. Sorrell all sitting around playing poker. And so Eric, of course, has to like get in on this. Yeah, he's not going to let this slide. He really wants to play. And so he walks in and he basically says, you know, listen, let me play until I lose a hand and then I'll go home and study. And everyone's just like, no, no, no. Like, get out of here, kid. This isn't your game. Like, this isn't for you. And for some reason, Mr. Feeney decides to just like go along with Eric's thing. He needs the grades. Deal them in. Yeah, I, I know that Feeney and Eric are bros. But why Feeney allows Eric to join this game is beyond me. He should have just been like, no, leave right now. Go study immediately. But for whatever reason, they go along with this. They listen to Feeney. And the problem, though, is that Eric is apparently a poker savant and he's kicking all their butts. He beats Feeney's three of a kind with a full house. And now everyone's getting kind of cranky and accusing Eric of cheating because he just keeps winning and winning and winning. Yeah, which is a logical explanation for why he's winning so much. I would also have accused him of cheating. And there are a few funny scenes or lines here. Mr. Turner's is the funniest where he says, All right, Matthews, I'm not saying you're cheating. I'm thinking it really hard, but I'm not saying it. I just need to know for my own peace of mind. Stop with the pleasantries. As principal of John Adams High, I demand to know how you're doing this. You're not the principal. You just keep thinking that, George. Yeah, so the group is just getting increasingly more frustrated as the game goes on. Eric has a huge pile of chips in front of him. But then Eric drops a bowl of pretzel sticks on the ground, and they find out that Eric is a Ran Man-style counting savant. And he immediately is like, oh, it's only 200-something pretzels. And so they immediately conclude that he must have been counting cards, and that's how he's been winning. If you think that this scene is a turning point for Eric's character and that the rest of the TV show, he's going to go and use his Rain Man-like powers for good (laughs) and for evil throughout the rest of the next five seasons, you would be mistaken. This will never be addressed again. And 
instead of being a savant, he just kind of goes to the idiot part and remains there. Correct. Like we've said before, we've been on this journey of Eric getting dumber and dumber and sillier and sillier because you got to give the people what they want. And I think people liked dumb Eric. So we're on that path still. We're on that trajectory. But this is will never be mentioned again, <laughs> as like most things in this show that are silly. But my question to you, Josh, is they were playing five card stud. Can you count cards in that game? Because you can't see. I know that you can count cards in like Blackjack and maybe Texas Hold'em because you can see most of the cards that are in play. But in five card stud, you literally can't see anybody else's cards so how could you be counting cards well not only that but like at the end when you're playing with one deck of cards those cards get shuffled every single time so there's no such thing as counting cards when you're playing single deck which is why some blackjack tables will offer single jack blackjack and like you if you're reshuffling the cards every time there's nothing to count because everything is being set from the beginning if you're playing with five decks and you feel in blackjack you get a lot of low cards and then you get a lot of high cards or you are actually counting them, you can start to get a feel for whether the deck is heavy or not, which makes sense in blackjack. But no, in poker, this this excuse literally makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I know they were just trying to like make a joke, but I'm glad my suspicions were correct that you can't really count cards in this game. No. But it doesn't stop Dr. Sorrell from trying to get Eric to join him in Atlantic City for a field trip where he's going to put Eric to use on the tables. And this scene undoubtedly was the inspiration for the hit 2008 Kevin Spacey movie 21, where a college professor uses his math students to count cards in Vegas. Yeah, I think this was probably inspiration for that and not the actual true story that happened. What? No. (laughs) This scene really gets weird fast. Yes, it does. It spirals. (laughs) They go from Eric winning at poker to then being Rain Man and doing a Rain Man impression. impression. (laughs) To then Dr. Sorrell, like maybe kind of joking about taking Eric on a field trip. Like it's a funny joke. Oh, let's go to Atlantic City because you're so good. And then he is like being dead serious about it. And Feeney's like, all right, (laughs) knock it off. Like you're not going to take a kid to Atlantic city. You're a teacher. And Dr. Sorrell says, not anymore. I quit Feeney. (laughs) First Feeney accuses him of not even being a doctor, which we did speculate about on the last episode because we were like, what like middle school science teacher has a PhD, but Feeney's like, you're not even a doctor. And then he just quits his job. (laughs) This is one way to write a character off a show that we're never going to see again, I guess. They didn't need to write him off. They could just do what they do with every other character and just never mention yeah, them they again. Just but... him. Yeah, and Eric is standing there looking visibly uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a weird, weird end to this scene, but that's it. That's Eric's story, and hopefully, you know, he on the side makes a little money gambling and <laughs> we just don't see it on the show. Yeah. Ooh, that yeah, I was waiting for a post credit scene to circle back to this too, <laughs> maybe something with like him he's at a like a blackjack uh... table or something and he's losing and he like loses his rain man powers or like gets hit on the head or something, but nope, this is it. That's the end of that story. I have some thoughts on the post credit scene, but we will of course discuss those later. <laughs> Okay, so now back to our main plot, our A plot, which is Cory and Topanga, or Corpanga, of course. 
The episode opens with Topanga and Amy watching some sappy romance movie together on the couch while Corey is passed out. And we find out that it's actually Super Bowl Sunday. Alan is watching the game alone upstairs and Corey has decided to take one for the team and hang out with the girls instead. I just, why did they have to? It was unnecessary. They could have just said the game and it would have been totally fine. But like throwing in the Super Bowl just makes this so much, I don't know, so much cringier, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, 1996 uh, was Super Bowl XXX Mm. played on January 28th. My guess Uh, is the Cowboys won the Super Bowl that year. You are correct. Do you remember who their opponent was? Uh, if, I, would, I have no idea, but I could guess in 96 their opponents were, let's go with the Broncos. Steelers. Mm. And the Cowboys beat them pretty handily from, I read the score, I don't remember it, but it was a large gap in the score. I always thought that the Super Bowl was always in February, but this one was January 28th. It just kind of depends on how it works out. So like now there's a week in between that the championships for in real life were this last weekend and now we're going to have a week off and then the Super Bowl is going to happen. It could be that back then there was no week off. And then this year in particular and moving forward because they added a week to the season in the regular season, it's going to be pushed back even further. So the Super Bowl is going to be like the 12th or something this year, which is the latest it'll ever be. Yeah, it's like mid-February. Usually it was like the first weekend in February or whatever. But at any rate, yes, the Cowboys were the champions in 1986. So for whatever reason, Corey has decided to skip the Super Bowl with his dad, his poor dad who is relegated to like watching it on a tiny upstairs bedroom TV (laughs) while they're watching like something that sounds like a knockoff of Titanic downstairs. And Eric comes into the living room and he sees this pathetic display and he literally picks Corey up and takes him into the kitchen and confronts him about how incredibly lame he is being. Yeah, good for Eric here. Corey has apparently spent the last three weekends with Topanga either watching chick flicks or making jam. Uh, (laughs) I think my favorite line was, it was preserves, Eric, preserves. When that line came on, because he's like, we we didn't watch TV last weekend. And Eric's like, you were making jam. And Arthur turned to me and was like, is this about us? (laughs) Because I've been known to make jam from time to time. But, uh, you know, we're not 14 and jam is delicious. But yeah, Eric is like, you guys are turning into an old, boring couple And all you ever do is like sit around. You need to like have some fun. And Corey is like resisting Eric's feedback at first. But I think by the end of the scene, he's realizing that Eric might actually have a point. Yeah, 100%. There are some muffins in the oven that get referenced here that Corey's baking as well. And at one point, Eric's got a weird utensil in his hand. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, it's like one of those little spatulas, but with like the slit in the middle or something. Or it was, was it like a fork spatula? It was like a fork spatula. It was like curved and bent like a spatula would be, but it had like fork tines on the end of it. And I don't think I've ever seen a tool like that before. At least not for making muffins. Yeah, well, just <laughs> 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 gonna poke them full of holes. Yeah, I don't know. What Someone that was in about. the props department was taking some liberties, I guess, with the <laughs> kitchen utensils. 
But exactly. So Corey, I think, like you said, starting to realize maybe this is not the healthiest like thing for him to be doing every weekend. And this is going to be reinforced the next day at school because Sean has had quite the weekend. He's gone on six dates and Corey is desperate for some information to live a little vicariously through his buddy. Yeah, he's asking Sean to like describe his fun weekend, tell me all about it. We'd get our glimpse in this scene of the first vest of the episode, <laughs> but it won't be the last. It won't. Um, it's a terrible brown vest that makes Sean look like he's doing Colonial Times cosplay, <laughs> but that is what he has selected to wear to school today. But so Corey's like foaming at the mouth. He's like, give me the deets on your weekend. It must have been so fun. And Sean says, I'm no rocket scientologist, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sensing that something is up. And basically, Sean clearly is seeing that, like, you're in a rut. That's, like, the whole concept that's going to be the theme of the episode, right? Sean's like, you and Topanga are in a slump. You're staying home every night. You're not having any fun. But Corey insists that, like, his relationship with Topanga isn't the problem. It's Corey is the problem. Corey has lost his edge. And if he can figure out how to get his spark back, it's going to magically fix everything. Corey knows... This could just be what he needs. He needs to get out and go do something. And so he's he's pretty much on board. He's like nervous to talk to Topanga, but he knows he needs a, a night away. Right. And Sean isn't really buying this whole like Corey needs his edge back thing. But he thinks if Corey comes out and has some fun, it might help regardless. So he's just like trying trying to help in any way that he can. Yeah, so come to this dance. We got, you know, come along. We'll we'll have some fun. We'll have a night out. It'll be a grand old time. A night out with the boys. And of course, the two of them are the boys. They there are, are the no boys. other boys. Yeah, <laughs> they are the boys. Uh, I don't know. I guess Sean was just going to maybe go by himself, which is kind of a, a bold move. But I guess he could pull it off with all the, the heat he's getting these days. Yeah. And Cor's kind of bailed out because he goes up to ask Topanga, for a boys night and instead hence the lie that we have in the summary from google topanga cuts him off and asks for a girl's night out uh which then cory doesn't have to say anything he just goes along with that right cory doesn't have to like cancel the plans or tell any lie or do anything he's just given a free pass because topanga has plans with the girls i don't know who the girls are maybe trini uh and so they have plans tonight so I guess I'm assuming this is like a Monday night school dance, which doesn't seem great, but, you know, we're going with it. So after a few more jabs here about Corey being old, like him and Topanga shopping for slacks and they're doing a couple's quiz in a magazine, we've got a few more jabs in this scene, but now we have our setup, right? And this is going to be an ongoing joke throughout the rest of the series, like this whole old boring couple thing. The joke, the recurring gag is that Corey and Topanga are an old married couple. Corey is an old grumpy man. We're going to see that play out a lot over the next five seasons. Mm -hmm. um, and it's usually pretty funny, but this is really our first taste of it. Like Corey makes a joke like, oh, we took a compatibility quiz in a couple's magazine and we scored a 95. And Sean's like, is that your age or your score? Ha ha ha. This is like our first joke of them being an old married couple. Yeah, definitely a theme we'll see more and more as we go on, especially in the later college years. Yes. So let's let's go to this party. We're going to Hamilton High, another Ooh. high school named after a Revolutionary War time founding father. And 
at the door, the boys are met by a teenage bouncer who uh, <laughs> does not have very much control over the guest list, apparently, because as we're going to find out, there are a lot of outsider students who have gotten into this dance. Yeah. When Sean pitched this, he said it was a party, but they show up and it's very official. They're like outside of a gymnasium and there's like a check-in table. So I'm like, okay, this isn't a party. It's a school dance, which is fine. But the girl working the registration table is, drumroll, Mina Suvari. We have seen her once before in the Danger Boy episode of Boy Meets World. If you recall, she played Eric's girlfriend's cousin from New York, who he sets up with Sean and he snubs Corey and doesn't set her up with Corey. So she's back for her second and final appearance on Boy Meets World. One year closer to having her career totally take off, which is going to happen in a few years from when this episode aired. But yeah, we don't ever find out how Sean got on the guest list or why, but they're there. And she is like, Sean Hunter, right this way. You're on the list. A part we miss is that basically Corey was having a crisis about what to wear. And on the way out, he grabs one of Sean's leather jackets. And so for whatever reason, when they're trying to get into the party, they she says, are you, know, are you on the list? And Corey says, yeah, Sean Hunter should be on the list. And, and she thinks that he is Sean because he's the one speaking. He's got the leather jacket on. And so this is going to set off the rest of the episode because Sean's got a reputation for being a cool bad boy. And now she is going to think that it's actually Corey. Yes. Evidently, everybody knows the name Sean Hunter, but nobody knows what he actually mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. So Mina Suvari immediately thinks that Corey is Sean and not only thinks that, but is immediately smitten by him. So apparently it's all about the reputation His reputation precedes him. It has nothing to do with his looks. And she is all into Corey slash Sean, fake Sean at that moment. Yeah. And real Sean's going to be a great friend here because he understands that Corey kind of needs this, needs maybe a little of attention, needs to be somebody else for a little while. And he's going to go along with it. He kind of encourages Corey. You know what? You're Sean tonight. You run with it. You have the confidence to go up to girls, talk to them, like be, be somebody else. Be yourself, but be somebody else. And uh, and he really encourages Corey for the rest of the, the time at the party. Yeah, I think he is being a good friend. He tells Corey to lean into the mix-up, be Sean, but he's not like telling him to do anything bad. He's like, you're not doing anything that Corey wouldn't do. Like, He's dancing with girls. He's maybe flirting a little bit, but he's not like encouraging him to like get anyone's number or make out with anyone. He's just like, just have fun. Like you haven't had fun in a long time. So he's just kind of trying to get him to lighten up. So Corey leaves the leather jacket on so that he can like help him channel the Sean persona. But unfortunately, Sean removes his jacket and reveals his second more terrible vest and the party goes on. And and I should also add that as usual, Corey needs roughly three seconds of coaxing to go all in on this plan. He's like, oh, I don't know. I shouldn't lie. And then and he Sean's like, well, maybe you should. And Corey's like, okay, I'm all in. <laughs> like, and then he's like immediately off dancing with girls and he's the toast of the party. So as usual, he doesn't need much convincing to get on board with this plan. No, and he's doing all right. He's got a couple of girls coming up to him. He's dancing with three taller girls. He's got a funny line about this song being our song now. 
and he's he's feeling really good and connects back with Sean a little later. And he's like, you know, there's a French girl that's supposed to be here. And I think that is my ticket to really making something happen tonight. I'm going to go try to find her. I would dare say that Corey is riding high. Yeah, like you said, he's dancing with all the girls and then he's he's ready. He's ready to find this French girl. So now is where we get the big reveal of the night, the big plot twist. Corey approaches the French girl. She's wearing a beret. She's talking to some guy who's just speaking to her in a French accent as if that will make her understand English. And he taps her on the shoulder and asks her to dance. And when she turns around, we see that the French girl is Topanga. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Topanga, why? So now we know that both of them came to this party, lied about who they were to escape, have some fun, pretend to be other people. And honestly, I thought they were, a bigger scene would be made, but they do the mature thing and step outside to talk. Corey kind of confronts her at first, but then it's revealed when Hillary, a.k.a. Mina Servari, comes up and calls him Sean that they've both kind of pretended to be these other people. And once that realization kind of hits, then they do, they go step outside and kind of talk through, we've been in a rut. They both are feeling that. They both said they wanted to get some fun and feel excited you know, at the beginning of their relationship, things were great and exciting, and now they're kind of stale. And uh, that's going to lead us to our big Disney synopsis reveal. Yeah, I mean, they're having a shockingly mature conversation True. about this. You know, they're really talking about Corey is finally admitting that he's been feeling like they're in a rut. He's being honest about it, which is very mature. And this is it. They break up. They go back and forth a little bit. Oh, I don't want to break up. We need to break up. The party, there's a big sign that says Jungle Tonight. So they have just broken up outside of the Jungle Tonight party at Hamilton High. They both have second thoughts about it, but ultimately they're done. I wonder if they're ever going to get back together. What do you think? Do you think this is really the end? This also tends to be a theme we will see over and over again throughout the years. But this is the first Corey and Topanga breakup. They do have kind of one of those TV moments where one comes back and was like, maybe we made a mistake, but then the other one's not there. And then they reverse roles. And ultimately all of this is played over some very, very emotional, soft, instrumental music. Yes. This is one of the worst post-credit scenes yet. Still not worse than some of those Minkus ones from season one, but it is a touching montage of Cory and Topanga moments through the years, set to an absolutely painful song called All I Know, performed by Art Garfunkel, which will not be going on the Feeny podcast Aww. playlist because it, it's too much of a downer. Um, to me, this is such an odd choice of song for a kid's show. I mean... I feel like they could have picked an artist that's maybe a little bit more relevant than Art Garfunkel for a children's show. (laughs) He is the most relevant. Um, But yeah, it's pretty sappy. They're like in class, kind of looking at each other. 
across the classroom and then like the montage of clips play. You know, it's Topanga with the lipstick on her face and Topanga wearing Corey's hat and it goes back and forth. But this is it. And, you know, the audience is supposed to be gutted because Corpanga has only been together for 12 short episodes and now it's all over. Yeah, they really try to strike that emotional <laughs> yes. iron right through your heart yes, here at the end of this do. episode. It is. It's super it's super weird and it really gets away from like the the comedy that ensues in the episode, but you know, got to have your ups and downs and I guess they really wanted to drive this home. Yeah, I was like you said, I was really hoping for a funny Eric moment in the post-credit scene, but instead we just got Art Garfunkel. So Next time on Boy Meets World, Corey and Sean will both be single. They will both be men around town. So, you know, there's going to be some fun antics with that. Yeah, we've got the whole second half here coming up of this season. We will, as a reminder, have a trivia episode for these episodes to start preparing now as we go through them. But uh, upcoming episodes, yeah, we're going to get some Corey dating advice eric is gonna try his hand at being a weatherman pretty soon we're gonna have a flashback episode and then who knows we might even get some more resolution to sean and his family drama so lots of storylines that are still gonna play out here in the next 10 episodes yeah tons of great stuff and josh will be quizzing me on trivia this time so we'll be mixing it up a little bit i have to be taking my notes and studying for the second half of season three um but really, really exciting stuff to come. So don't feel too sad. I have a feeling that these two crazy kids are going to pull through and that they're going to get back together. But, you know, hang in there. Don't let this breakup discourage you. Yeah, keep watching. We promise things get better. And thanks for going along and picking us back up here. You know where to find us on the social medias. It's at Feeny Podcast on Instagram. You can find us feenypodcast.com on the web for all of the latest news and information. What else? Anything else? We're streaming on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Of course, if you're listening to this right now, you already know that, but mm-hmm. we hope you will stay tuned for the rest of season three and we're looking forward to making it a good one. Yeah, still debating whether we need to pull out of Spotify because of Joe Rogan's lies oh or not. Oh my god. But, uh, we so well, much has happened over our, the break and now this whole Spotify thing is so ridiculous. So we'll uh we may need to pull ourselves off of that platform, but probably not since they have the best insights into who's listening. So just, you know, just don't listen to Joe Rogan. That's <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the policy is just like don't listen to it, you know and uh, listen to Feeny Podcast instead. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. You made jam! (laughs) It was preserves, Eric. It was preserves.